Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Well, as many of you know, Britain and the world paid their final respects to one of the truly legendary figures of our times at the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, Presidents and kings, princes and prime ministers, and crowds of literally hundreds of thousands lining the streets of London, gathering one last time to honor England's longest-serving monarch. She went home to be with the Lord on September 8th at the age of 96, and of course the end of a remarkable 70-year reign. And I'm so delighted that right now we can be joined uh, by Mr. Peter Carriage to share his thoughts on the day from England He is the CEO of Premier Christian Media in the U.K. It's a post, by the way, he's served at since October of 1996, uh, leading that organization to help the U.K. church communicate the gospel effectively in a digital age. And so, Peter, I look forward to this chance to reconnect again. Thank you so much for taking time to join us from across the pond, as they say. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. CBN uh, reported this uh, to be a public holiday in honor of the Queen. Uh, Give us your own thoughts in terms of the significance of this day in the larger context of British history and even world history, which I think was underscored by the incredible attention given it all over the world. I spent as much of the morning as I could myself watching these amazing events but can you put it in context for us from that perspective? Well, I mean, uh, you know, the, 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 the real wonderful uh, thing about today is that uh, faith transcended uh, the UK, it transcended the Queen, and the Christian faith was beamed around the world. 4.1 billion people, it's estimated, watched the funeral today. of the world's population. Now, when you hear a number like that, and you see the people on the streets, 2 million people uh, lined the streets for the Queen's cortege today, Uh, nobody forced them to come. There was no three-line whip. They were there, and they've been there all week because they loved her, and they saw something in her that was very, very special. And when they found out that it is Christianity that made it so special, then, you know, we have to think and and really realize that a life well-lived can be celebrated not just by the family, not even just by the nation, but it can be celebrated by anybody anywhere because um, God... (laughs) can do remarkable things with the life that's given over to him. And on that note, you, as I said at the outset, perhaps you could give us a little uh, history of yourself and the work God called you to so many years ago in England and how her witness and how her strong faith, and so public about it, as it turns out, uh, really helps the church in England do the job of spreading the gospel. In other words, would you agree that perhaps... A lot of uh, Britishers' hearts are more open to the faith now than they might have been just even a few weeks ago. Well, you know, you you have to remember that only 2%, 2% 
of the UK population go to church regularly. But what we do have is state religion, as it were, which is the Church of England. And I think that something of a great awakening may have occurred in the hearts and minds of people as they realized over the last few days just what it was that inspired their monarch. Queen Elizabeth uh, actually was very overt in proclaiming what her Christian faith meant for her. But actually, it's only when her life has been examined, and boy, has it been examined this last few days. Mm. In the UK, it has been wall-to-wall, Queen Elizabeth, across all media, everyone has worn black. The whole population has had a traumatic period of reflection and mourning. There's probably not too many dry eyes in too many houses across the UK today. But what we've actually come to realize is that this wonderful lady, this very old lady, had lived out her faith very, very conscientiously for a very long time. Now, I met her three times. I've been to Buckingham Palace a number of times. And I can tell you that uh, everyone who ever met her walked away pretty awestruck that this person uh, had spent time with them. And I can say that um, my prayer, because it was a wonderful uh, couple of services, there was the big service in Westminster Abbey, the state funeral, and then there was the committal in St. George's Chapel, Windsor. I can can honestly say they couldn't have been more Christian. They couldn't have been more explicitly Christian. And uh, from the very first verses of of the songs, right through the hymns, the preaching, the prayers, It was very, very clear, and the Queen had a huge part to play in crafting these services. It was very clear that she wanted to make one final statement to the country, her family, and indeed the world. And, and, you know, the fact that so many people around the world have watched it, have taken on board some of the messages, is a remarkable thing. You know, I worked with Billy Graham in the 80s, and... uh, God bless her. He he knew the Queen better many, many times. And it's just remarkable to think that this lady, in her final act, has reached probably more people than any church minister, any evangelist, any special program of any church initiative than anybody else in history. And um, I think we should give thanks that God has used this remarkable lady in quite a remarkable way. And one more point before this first break, Peter, and that is, uh, out of what you've just said, one of the things I noted here in the American media, at least the part of it that I watched, was it seemed like for the first time there was even more talk about the reality of heaven, the fact that she was going to meet uh, her uh, dear father and other members of her family. That came up time and time again, that uh, there was no uh, kind of hedging around this idea, is there a life after this one? That came through loud and clear. It absolutely did. Right right at the very end of the committal service, um, you, you were hearing in song and in the prayers and in the benediction that this life is not the end, that this life is really just a dress rehearsal for the real life that's to come. And, you know, one of the wonderful phrases was that uh, given to the Queen was that she would love to lay her crown 
before the King of all kings, which, of course, she's done today. Peter, the Archbishop of Canterbury, I understand, in the funeral service said, few leaders receive the outpouring of love we've seen for Elizabeth. How would you compare that with any of the other great leaders? And certainly England has given us some great world leaders over the years. Well, it's funny. I was just watching it with my wife, and I was saying that as you watched the cortege leave uh, Westminster Great Hall, and then uh, the the Queen was pulled uh, a very short distance to Westminster Abbey, and then after the Abbey, then this very long walk uh, through the centre of London and then on down to Windsor Castle. If you had seen the crowds, I was saying to my wife, said, you know, how many world leaders would uh, be sitting in Westminster Abbey there today, giving their right arm to have the crowds that mm. uh, the Queen had today? And I, I can only think of a few that would get them, and, and the few that would get them would get them because they were forcing people there. I mean, Putin, President Z, they would get a crowd, but they would have to force them to stand and to wave. And of course, today, there was none of that. This population loved the Queen and uh, and were there and stood for hours and hours on air just to catch a glimpse. And the reason for it was her Christian faith. And, you know, most people didn't even realize what it was. But what has come through over the days is that the reason that she was the person she was, the energy behind all the activity, the grace that shone through her was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that motivated and guided her. And when she became queen and when she was anointed with the with the oil, which was basically a baptism, she committed her life to the Lord and to the kingdom. And what a, what a life of service received. And, and you know, for every, any world leader, I suppose, and, and, and indeed for any one of us, the way to greatness is humility. The way to, to uh, enable people to love you is to give your life for them, uh, which, of course, is a very, very scriptural thing. The Lord Jesus himself did exactly that. So she was following her Lord. She gave an example to the church, and each one of us can do the same, which is the remarkable and wonderful thing that we can take away from today. And would you agree that that's that grace, that inner work of the Holy Spirit and that grace in her life from the Lord really was what enabled her to deal with some very sticky and unpleasant family situations, not one but several, through her years uh, of uh, guiding the uh, guiding the family as uh, the royal family as well as the nation uh, speak to that as to how she actually handled that and uh, how different it could have been had she taken a different attitude. Well, you know, I, I'm a Baptist minister by trade. I, I trained at Oxford years ago. and You know, you, you often hear from people, you know, I, I would love to love the Lord better. I'd love to be stronger in my faith. I'd love to be more involved in the church. But, you know, my family is, you know, it's so tricky and I'm so mm. caught up. Well, the Queen had the trickiest of families, you know, that that royal family have had their share of problems. And the Commonwealth of Nations that she uh, presided over, well, there wasn't a year that gone by that hasn't had some natural disaster affecting them. And the presidents and the prime ministers of the various countries would come to her 
And, of course, the UK has not been without its challenges either. So, you know, she's been through so many prime ministers over the years. They've all gone to her every Tuesday with, a, with, their, with their problems. So here's, here's a lady who's had more than a, a fair share of challenges almost every day of the week. And yet, and yet, she was able to put them all into their place. And, um, you know, some of the broadcasts she made talking about the fact that she finds hope, that she finds strength from her Christian faith should be a reminder to each of us that actually, you know, even though our challenges of life are, are, are quite significant sometimes and they're not to be trivialized, even though our challenges are great, God is greater. And if we rely on him, he can carry us through and he can create in us a witness that the world will marvel at. Well, in part, you've answered my next question, but it was just that. Uh, You and I, I think uh, you talked about it with me last time. The queen never spoke publicly about issues of state that had to do with the actions of the government and her meetings with her prime ministers. Uh, But uh, that did not at all mean that she wasn't really involved in influencing some of those day-to-day directions the government might take. Is that true? Well, you know, in in, in the days that have uh, been between her death and her funeral today, there's been many, many statements. And, in fact, the Houses of Parliament, they gave over a day on Friday to reflect on her life. And you had politician after politician and prime minister after prime minister talking about how they would go to her with their problems. And she would listen and she would guide. She would never direct, but she would um, help them to put it in perspective. And one of the one of the prime ministers, David Cameron, in fact, said that when he went to her, he knew that there wasn't any problem that she hadn't heard a multitude of times before because she'd been on the throne so long. She'd been through wars. She'd been through recessions. She'd been through you know, all of the big things that happen in a country. And he said, you know, the fact is she'd been there, seen it, done it all before. And I think that's the wonderful uh, benefit that the the monarch has brought to to politics in the UK and indeed the Commonwealth over the years. What expectations are there now uh, on the part of uh, the nation and even uh, the government itself in terms of the leadership of King Charles III, uh, certainly a huge set of shoes to try to fill in so many different ways, but stepping into and out of the shadows and into the role that his uh, mother played so amazingly and so effectively so, for so long, what do you think may uh, uh, develop out of that? What would you predict? Well, I remember as a boy watching his investiture as Prince of Wales. And he was a teenager. He was a young teenager at the time. And he's in his mid-70s now. Uh, He has inherited the job that he was born to do. But he's had a very, very long apprenticeship. And uh, anybody who's ever trained at a job knows that, uh, you know, you get better in doing well, he's had a long, long time to train for this. And, you know, he's come from good stock. Now, he's not been without his problems. There's been some challenges in his life. And um, and he's worthy of our prayers. But he's made a good start. He's made a very good start this last week. And he's made a very strong commitment. And he's actually been very 
overt in his statement that his Christian faith is deep rooted. And um, well, we'll 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 watch and we'll pray. And um, he has a hard act to follow. He's got big shoes shoes to fill. But um, you know, it looks like he's pretty determined to fill them. And he certainly has the goodwill of the nation and the church and all those uh, politicians that surrounded him today. In this last couple of moment, uh, moments, and I'm talking with uh, Peter Carriage, CEO of Premier Christian Media, and I know there's a whole st- a story all its own, Peter, as to how God took you there. You, as you've said, uh, you uh, came as a Baptist minister and continues to minister, I'm sure. But take uh, this last couple of minutes to tell us about uh, Premier Insight uh, in the U.S. Uh, it's a digital ministry established here. And anything else you can tell us that our listeners might benefit from? Well, Premier, Premier Christian Media is the biggest Christian media organization in Europe. Up until 1990, it was illegal to have Christian media in the U.K. It seems crazy now in the digital age, but that was the truth. That was the, 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 um, the reality. They had no idea that Christian media could really exist. And um, and I campaigned for it, and we eventually secured the law to be changed. And we've grown and grown over the years, and now it's it's a very strong initiative. But one of the things that we found over the years is that some of the apologetic programs that we do, um, this program called Unbelievable, and um, a program called Ask N.T. Wright, a big New Testament theologian, and the C.S. Lewis podcast, which I think speaks for itself. Those three programs were getting very big audiences in the U.S. And um, so we launched the 501c3, and we have began to develop programs uh, that would appeal to people who perhaps want to think more about their faith than um, they can perhaps get in, in a local church. So um, the Unbelievable Show is a very good one. Ask NT Write Anything. Dot com and uh, the C.S. Lewis podcast, all are very strong, and they're all available on premierinsight.com. And we also cover the news from a Christian perspective, and the good thing about our news service is that we ask people to pray about each story that they hear or they read. So um, uh, premierchristian.news is where you go, and you'll probably find lots there today about the, the, the funeral and the faith of Queen Elizabeth II, premierchristian.news. And these are the, 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 um, the, the projects that we've been working on. And another one, and this is a really interesting thing, is that we find in the U.K. and indeed across the U.S. that uh, people are not going to church as often as they did. And therefore, people's children are not getting the Christian education that they once did. And what we uh, are really concerned about is that Christian families, Christian grandparents, Christian parents, really do take responsibility for educating their children in the Christian faith. And so we've launched a free resource called NextGen, PremierNextGen.com, PremierNextGen, N-E-X-G-E-N, PremierNextGen.com, which gives loads of resources, free resources, to help parents and grandparents to speak intelligently to their children and their teenage kids about stuff that's happening in the world. So today there'll be stuff about the funeral. Today there'll be stuff about the latest movies, the latest songs, the, the, um, the influences that are floating around right now. 
and trying to bring a Christian dynamic and a Christian response to all of that. So that's the kind of stuff we do, and we're going to keep on doing it so that we can help Christian men, women, boys, and girls to develop in their faith. Amen to that. Thank you, Peter. I'm going to continue to remind our folks of those websites. And uh, such an honor to have you with me again. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.